Hello, everyone. I'm Frank Garza with Lane Startup Company, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to the show. Today's topic is how to build a community-centered product, and moderating the discussion is our own Lean Startup Company faculty member, Elliot Suzel. Our guest is co-founder and CEO of Unsplash, Mikhail Cho. And with that, I'll hand things off to Elliot. Hello, viewers, and welcome to this week's webinar. Today, we're going to be chatting with Mikhail Cho, founder and CEO of company Unsplash. We'll be exploring his journey and the topic of building a, a product centered around community. Mikhail, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Elliot. Our goal today is to level up your knowledge. And by the end of this session, we'll hopefully have shifted your thinking around what it takes to build a product centered around community. Our agenda is as follows. We're gonna start by learning about your company's origin story and your background. Every entrepreneur that we've chatted with has had a lot of uh, interesting and diverse experiences and we're eager to hear yours. From there, we'll transition pretty naturally into our main topic, building community-centered products. And then we'll wrap up with a summary and some closing thoughts. Sounds great. Awesome. Okay. So, with all that said, tell us a little bit about your background. I mean, you know, did you just like wake up one day and it was like a jolt of lightning? There's this thing I need to go do? What led you to the point where you got started on the Unsplash journey? Yeah, I mean, in the end, it did kind of happen, but the end is after a while of years of things that you've, you experience. Uh, yeah, my background started, uh, actually I was working at a design agency that was like my first taste of the internet. I noticed all these like problems that were happening and trying to get creative work done. Um, but I realized the power of it if you could kind of get through that. Like if you can get through making something, um, the, the power of the internet is, is like, if you make something, you can just do so much more than you ever could before. Um, so that's what really attracted me to it. Uh, and then so, yeah, working out the kinks and finding all these things. And one of the things that always kept happening was like this stuff around using photos and media and these sorts of things. And originally I dealt with it more so on like being a project manager, working with a client, I'd find a photo and we'd be like, we would be like 500 bucks and we didn't really even know. It's like, if 500 people see it, if a thousand people see it, it's this. And like, how would you ever know that? Uh, and then you, by the time you get to the licenses, you're so confused. You're like, it's commercial use only, this thing only, this thing only, with this size only, watermark on here, this, this, this. And it was just super, super, super confusing. So uh, that wasn't when we started on Splash right after that. That just kind of like was a seed in the back of my brain. Yeah, well, I can tell back, you, yeah. Even as someone who's putting together presentations and presenting at conferences, yeah. right? You like find an image and it's like, wait a minute, can I use that? Yeah. Right? There's this thing that perfectly illustrates what I need, but can I use it? Right. So, yeah, so this there's is always that question. Uh, and it was, it was a question the more and more that I made stuff. So, you know, as we started building sites, as we started making uh, emails, and then I was going into our first company. So Unsplash was actually like a happy accident. Um, we had been doing the first version of our website for our actual company and we we're like this is a really crappy process again trying to find photos so we went and shot our own we hired a photographer um, we had all these leftovers and we we're like we've now figured out a lot of what's wrong in this experience and I bet what if we just created the 
total opposite of everything that existed and made the ideal experience for someone who wanted to use photos. And we could use our own photos that we had done through this photo shoot. So we could control that and we could make a whole new type of thing. We knew all the problems. We were like, let's make it high res. Let's remove the licenses. We'll just throw these up. And originally we were going to throw it up on a blog. We said we could go just one step further. Maybe this would be, become something a little bit bigger than that. It could drive in some referral traffic to our original company uh, if we do a bit bigger than a blog post. So that was how it ended up on Unsplash. But that all happened, that decision and the actual execution of it happened in one afternoon, in three hours. Three hours. So we got yeah. the photos. We took the one for the homepage. And I remember the, like, the Skype conference. There wasn't even Slack, didn't even exist yet at this time. And we were like, hey, this would be really cool if we could take these and do this thing. And uh, I remember going on even the lean domain search at the time to try to find a name. Unsplash existed for, for $9. We had a Tumblr theme for $19. So the, the whole thing was put together in three hours with that amount of money. Um, public Dropbox links hooked up to a MailChimp newsletter and a Google Doc sign-up form. Now, I want to take a moment to call attention to the fact that for those of you who are working in a big company, this sounds like an impossibility, right? To make a a series of decisions, which cost less than $30, yeah. right? You would have had to go through so many layers of approval. I would have gone to so many decision makers, right? Like you can never get this kind of, of progress. So I think it's interesting that you were able to, in an afternoon, sort of uh, bootstrap this thing at a very low cost, you put it together. Now, I mean, did you have a vision for what it be would become or were you just sort of looking to share what you had done in a way that was different than you'd seen done before? Yeah, we, we roughly knew that, and even these constraints, you know, that you just mentioned in a, in a big company, even though we were, we were small, we also had constraints. You know, there's only four of us and uh, we're running out of money and my focus is like, I'm a CEO, should I even be making this thing? You know, so we were dealing with a bunch of like different, I know there are different constraints to what a big company would do with, but there's always that thought. And um, that was part, that constraint ended up being, I think, one of the biggest strengths of it right? Because you constrained the time so much. You're like, I need to be super efficient with this and, and figure out how to do these sorts of things. Now, yeah, when we laid out the plan, there wasn't even a plan. I didn't write down and say that we were going to use these things. It was almost like the, um, you know, the Martian movie where you just solve the problem then you solve the next problem and you solve the next problem. And if you solve enough problems, you get to go home. Huh. Uh, and yeah. that really like stuck with me. I watched that in that movie and it related back to that original like problem solving, we knew what we wanted to do. We knew we wanted to take images that were really nice and make them free and give them away. That's, that was the core. But like how to do that in the most efficient way, that just was like a series of those little problem solving things. Um, I'm not a developer, so that was also another constraint. So it was yeah. like I needed, to, I needed to like plumb together a few things um, that would make this, this work. And all of those things kind of come together into this, magical start of something where you didn't put these expectations too high so almost anything i was like expecting a hundred people like a hundred designers who maybe like this thing um and that's cool like we could all contribute a few photos here and there and maybe build this up over time that's what we originally thought yeah uh, well i want to inject here that um what i'm sort of hearing harkens me back to a mantra that i really enjoy which is to make reversible decisions quickly Right. And in a similar vein, make inconsequential decisions quickly. Yeah. Right? right. So you can spend a lot of time doing this. But again, like for the low price, you just boom, boom, boom. Decide, get it done uh, and launched. Right. Okay. So um, 
continue on. I think yeah. you were headed, headed, you had somewhere in mind for where you were headed with that. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, the expectation, you keep that low. That's even great because anything that happens from it um, will exceed that expectation. Like, there's almost a guarantee that, uh, and when it really exceeds that expectation, the, thing, the whole thing feels magical. Uh, and that's, that's what happened. So, we were actually so embarrassed um, by the thing. I was like, I'm not even going to share this with anybody. It's, it's super bad. Maybe like five designers that I know I'll share it with. Uh, and then I'm like, I'll just put it on Hacker News actually. Because Hacker News, we had never had any success. I was like, no, whatever. People can, I'd rather have just people with like shit on it. And let's see what happens. Um, and then I went away from my computer. I got a text like an hour later from the photographer that we had shot those photos with. Because I gave him credit on all the photos. And he was like, where'd you put that site? Because like my personal portfolio is just blowing up right now. Huh. And like, I, I knew I only put it one place. <laughs> so I was like, went back to Hacker News. And yeah, it was number one. So it was number one. And then I checked the logs. I'm like, what does Hacker News number one do? Uh, I saw the, the Google signup forms. That's the day that I realized Google Spreadsheets at the time had a maximum of 20,000 rows. Because I could see the emails that were signing up in real time and we were hitting the maximum number of rows that you could have in Wow. Machine. So, and that, that, that fuels, you know, got to solve that problem, you know, move it over to, to something, mm -hmm. a different sign up form. But yeah, that, that, that was an exciting feeling coming from something that you didn't expect to ever sort of deliver that sort of thing, but you kept the expectation low. So there was a high chance that you would feel some sort of success. Yeah. Well, this to me actually keys into two ideas. The first is that it, it sounds like um, the style of test that you put together or experiment that you put together in lean startup parlance would be a um, piecemeal experiment yeah. yes. where you didn't custom code a bunch of stuff. You just sort of stitched together a couple things um, and put that forward. Right. And the other thing that this calls my attention to, and I can't remember the, the company that, um, had this experience, but you didn't set out to create a photo sharing company, right? right? You right. were in a design firm yeah. uh, or, or company, right? And um, I believe it was Flickr that originally made an, an online game that had a photo sharing component. Yeah. And the online <laughs> game didn't work, but people yeah. like sharing photos. So they just like yeah. zoomed in on that and, and ran with that instead. So it is interesting to hear that perhaps your journey was similar where you weren't intending to make a photo sharing. Service. Right. And yet that seemed to really pick up and it picked up in a really profound way and in a way that you could measure. Right. Which I think is also really interesting. Okay. Yeah. So you, you make this initial version, you put it posted on Hacker News, it, it blows up. Yep. Now what? And this is no connection. So I'm not, I'm not like that hacker, like a Hacker News person who has you know, I've been through Y Combinator. I have all these things. I know like people can do well in Hacker News. So for anyone who's listening, I had nothing. Like there was nobody I knew. So this was like a purely real, like organic thing that went number one. Yeah. Um, and, and you know, look like those problems you identified earlier, it sounds like there were a lot of people going, yes, that is a problem I have. Please like you have right. a solution. I want to explore that with you. Right. Yeah. And we really focused. It wasn't, we were going to even provide the photos as long as we needed to. So I, the logic, like when we were thinking through that, um, I knew like it's really challenging to get, get any sort of like 
marketplace, let's call it, where there's two people coming together, it's really hard to get that sort of thing going. And, and with photos, ultimately it was like, let's do high quality that we can remove the license completely. Um, and how could we get that? And we thought the easiest way would probably just be us. And that meant, that led to another decision. So if it's only gonna be us, how many could we realistically deliver? So we're like, we could probably do 10 if we needed to. And that's where the tagline came from, which the original tagline was 10 photos every 10 days. Huh. Uh, and, we, and I just threw up a submit a photo link there just to see, you know, like if people want to really contribute, but there's, there's really no reason why there's no like stats. There's no, no, nothing of that that would exist on the site at all. Uh, it was really just if you wanted to help build this thing. And we didn't put any copy up there that said, if you want to help build this thing, it was just literally submit a photo. So submit it, a photo. Your bare minimum of, of what you could put out. Uh, and within that first week, you know, I was, I thought that we were going to have to go out and shoot 10 more photos. That would have been totally fine. But then people submitted and so people were submitting. And now that brings a whole new element to it. Uh, this is even bigger than just like a repository of our own things. People are using them and they're contributing to it. Now this gets really interesting. So now you could have said, well, that was a fun thing to do. And I'm just going to sort of do this on the side and yeah. get back to my main business. Yeah. For which you were saying you're the CEO, right? Yes. You yes. got to make money. Yes. But instead, you decided to focus on this thing that makes no money at all, <laughs> right? But seemed to be really resonating. Yeah, so that didn't happen for a while. So what we did, it, the original purpose of Unsplash, yes, was to make something super just useful. Um, but it was meant to be something useful for our customers of our core business. So ah, our core okay. business was... Uh, it was connecting high quality designers and developers with people who needed work done and short term high quality projects. So we were connecting right. them. The site was called Crew. Uh, and so photography, everyone was needing it on both sides. So we knew it was probably a useful tool for everybody. And, and then what ended up happening is Unsplash did become the number one referral source for Crew by far. Uh, and that was for two and a half years. And it actually led us to our funding you know, for, for Crew. So what we did is we kept Unsplash running, but at that bare minimum, because we knew it's, it's always, you, you have something that's working really well, and then you're sort of like want to invest more, but you don't know where is that 80-20, right? Like if I put 10 times more effort, am I going to get 10 times more of the people coming through? And that, that was pretty uncertain with Unsplash. So we really more just left it within that first year because it was doing so well and it was just growing organically every 10 days. You know, we just kept growing and growing. So um, that was the only work that we did on it for the first like 18 months was literally just me and maybe one of my co-founders going in there and checking the photos, putting the 10 in the email newsletter and sending it out. That was it. And it kept referring and referring and referring. So it was only until we like, okay, this is getting really big now. You know, there's, there's something, this is bigger than the core business in, in terms of the usage and what's happening. That's where the decisions had to be made because we had only raised enough capital for, for one business ah. so we had to make a choice. Uh, and that's where the decision eventually came from. Crew would be in a better position to be acquired as part of another company where that could move forward in the way that we wanted to build it like big, you know, they're bigger projects. So it takes time and, and we're building a lot of software and, and Unsplash already kind of found its legs and the, the mechanics inside of it, needed a lot of the expertise from like that our team already had so that was the decision um, to sell crew we sold crew to dribble the online design portfolio company yep. and then continued on with unsplash okay and so um 
as you're starting to explore this, like this sounds like kind of a rosy picture in a lot of ways, right? Like everything is going right. Mm -hmm. At some point, did you encounter something that didn't work the way that you were expected or was like a hiccup on the journey? Uh, I think, yeah, trying to, the first time like moving Unsplash off of the like hacked together tools, you know, and, and putting it on its own custom thing so we could do more custom things to it you know, in the future. We, we first experimented with like outsourcing that and you know, that didn't, mm. wasn't exactly how we wanted it to go. Uh, because it wasn't core, right? It was like, we weren't sure if it was going to be the core business ever. Like it was just this side thing that we were trying to slightly improve. Uh, and then we knew, you know, if, if, if we want this to be something meaningful, we're going to have to do it. Um, so I think that was, that was probably one. And then the second was, you know, we got copied by everybody. <laughs> as soon as the thing started taking off, we saw nine photos every nine days, eight photos every eight, seven every seven, you know, all the huh. way down. Um, and so in a way, we, I think it was great that it was protected. It was incubated in a way. Like we wasn't forced to like really grow super, super fast. We got to keep the 10 photos every 10 days, which kept the bar really high for, yeah. for photography. Um, but there were some other people who were like saw that and they were able to kind of like steal it and then move forward faster because we had this part of another thing. Um, but now that we focused on Unsplash, we've been able to make a lot of ground there. But so yeah. those are probably two of the things that, um, yeah, I recall were, were more of the, the hiccups that we encountered. So um, as you focus in on Unsplash, um, it, it was apparent to me in looking at the product that it's very much become a community-centered product. Yeah. Right? Um, talk to me a little bit about how that evolved. Yeah, so, I mean, Unsplash doesn't exist if the photos aren't there right like we can build amazing technology but it would literally just be a bank a blank page you <laughs> uh, and what makes it happen is all the photography um, so the community is is just as much a part of that as any code that that we can write on the site and that's really how we think about anything that we're, we're building into the site so when you're submitting photos uh, it's not just like a throwaway thing we're really thinking about what is the optimal way to help you like submit that so that it gets tagged properly and then gets put in so it's searchable and so we can bring as much viewership to your photography as possible. Uh, we know that there's a lot of people who just contribute to this just because, you know, um, but there's not fully everybody is that way. Some people are contributing also because this helps them um, bring awareness to something else they're doing. So in a way, like Unsplash, that's that's what it did for our business crew. You know, it was the same thing. It, we did made this thing that was useful and it brought awareness to our business. So a lot of people who contribute photos, it's almost like they're mini Unsplash, right? They they're making a profile and sharing photography and and bringing awareness to something else that they have. Uh, so we look a lot at those sort of systems and and how we can create more opportunities for the contributors um, who are essentially giving this without expecting anything in return. Mm -hmm. um, I think that is still the core thesis. I think people, we want a site where that is happening because we're all benefiting, right? Everybody is benefiting and then everybody's contributing. And I think it's, that's, that's the, the unique thing that we have really going on. Like the people who use the photos, often they're starting there and then they go and contribute photos. Yeah, you know, and, and so everybody's kind of got this like, Everyone's around it, you know? 
doing something where they're contributing to it, using the photos, they feel that they want to give back to it. So that's a really, really great dynamic. Um, and that's a lot of what we, we really try to focus on um, inside, of the, inside of the product. So a question that's been sort of formulating in the back of my mind is around profitability. Yeah. Right? So what I haven't heard yet is how you make money or how you sustain the business. Yeah. Maybe that's not a part of the plan yet, and maybe it doesn't need to be. But uh, talk to me a little bit about your thinking in that realm. Yeah, so we do want to make an enduring business. Uh, it's, that's not just built on investment. So like we have investment, but that investment is not the business model. You know, that investment is designed to help us find the right enduring long-term business model. Um, but in a way, Unsplash, so much of the, the steps that we needed to do, we knew we needed to get uh, as many people like seeing photos as, as possible. So the unique thing about us is because we have that, that license, we can, an image is like fully portable. We can, it doesn't just exist on Unsplash. You know, it gets put into all these other products. It gets used everywhere. So we really need to build that, that infrastructure because that's where we think the, the best sort of monetization opportunities can come from for everyone in the, in the ecosystem. And the way that that looks for us, and we're still uh, experimenting and looking at a lot of these things, but if we can monetize on that distribution, right? So imagine you're able to, to take photos, post them up on Unsplash, they get spread all over the place. Uh, and then let's say a brand, you know, you, you had a backpack in that photo and they're a partner of Unsplash and they're like, oh, we want that to distribute even further. You know, we're gonna, we're gonna vote that up and make it be sponsored inside of certain things. Uh, and then we'll do like a split. So that's a lot of the, the things that we're thinking about still, but it's still, it's still really, really early. Um, but we're super excited Like we've done some early pilots around things and similar philosophy, you know, it's, it's, it's like day one almost, you know, for, yeah. for this. And it's a, it's another layer on top of the unsplash, like community growth business. Well, and you know, to your point and in, in this idea of being in the early stages, from what I was seeing on your website, it sounds like you're experiencing this like mythical, magical hockey stick growth. Yeah. Right. Where I believe at one point I saw that your uh, activity or or number of users or one one of those sorts of stats was doubling every three months. Yeah. But am I remembering that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, that's the dream. The library is the library is doubling every three months. Um, we're growing very very fast. The, the core site is growing and we have uh, partnerships inside of other products where Unsplash is put in like Medium, uh, Trello, Product Hunt, we're inside of, of those ones for people to make directly with, within those sorts of products. So that just like accelerates uh, all of the, the growth that's happening. And we've made a lot of like focused things that we build on the product in order to, to do that. So our whole thing is if we can push the impact of photography further than anybody else has, then it unlocks all these other opportunities that nobody else has ever even considered. Got so it. That is the whole point of, and that's why there's a, a step to it. So the first step is push the photo as far as you can, 10 times further than anybody else ever has, because that opens up opportunities that would never work if you didn't have that, that 10 times you know, distribution. It might be too yeah. small, it might not make sense for the whole ecosystem, whatever it is. So that's, that's how we're, we're sequencing it. Got it. And I guess a part of what's going on there is that, like, look, we don't know what the opportunities are because this hasn't been done. Right. Right. And as we get there and as uh, we are, we're learning, maybe we'll, we'll uncover what those next things are. Yeah. Um, 
and we're seeing behaviors. So same, we have a lot of things that are happening on the site. You know, our contributors are getting hired for certain things. These things are happening naturally. Uh, and so there's ways that we can really grease those wheels. You know, we know the behaviors are there um, and we can create those opportunities. If you look at any place where people have ever posted like stories, whether it's written, visual, whatever it is, if you get enough people there, opportunities start to happen as those people mix together. Mm. So what we can do is build platform things that accelerate those opportunities. So one thing that I'm starting to think about is um, it would be interesting to explore the ways in which you do your learning. Right. right. So you've got the product. How is it that you're learning? Which things are resonating? Which things are going to take you to that, that next level that you're describing of new opportunities? How do you actually learn that stuff? Um, because it, you know, I think looking at data, I, I would guess is a, a piece of the puzzle there. Uh, but I'd be curious to hear how you're going about that learning. Yeah, I think there's a range of inputs that you need to look at. So uh, I wouldn't say we let data just make us decide what to do. Mm -hmm. um, it's something that we have inputs into decision making. Um, but the other key parts of that decision making is basic like human psychology and philosophy. So I think that's one major layer. So understanding why people naturally do what they do. And then you kind of bring that into the context of photography and Unsplash and, and what people want to be doing, that sort of thing. Uh, and then you sort of just look at there's general strategy. So there's, there's business strategy, there's distribution, and watching out for like what's happening and how best to do something and how best to put something in order. So I would say those are like the two high level things that come in as, as, as high level inputs. Uh, and then you've got sort of your intuition that has been built up over making something like Unsplash. And then you use that, we really use that same style uh, when we're like rolling out anything new. You know, if, you, if we look at how we're looking at some of the monetization projects, um, we've, we've gotten really far along, we're generating revenue and we don't even have landing page. <laughs> like, we started that by emailing, it started as an email, you know, and like really ugly, whatever, here's what we're thinking with some friendly people. Through that, we learned what to sort of put in a document. That became a deck. And eventually, yeah, it's going to become uh, a page. But now, by the time you get to that page, you've already done like 30 versions. You know, yeah. so this is like a really tight pitch. And you're not like really guessing at it. So now the next loop on it is, the the thing that you're you're developing value is the the look of it and that often that gets moved way up right that's like too many steps way too early oh yeah um and it starts with the words so that we start all of our stuff is like just really ugly with words that's how most of our things start you know that's really interesting i was talking with a startup the other day that had, had very much taken the opposite approach right mm -hmm. where they went in and they said all right we're kind of going to build this whole product we're really quite confident that it's going to fulfill this really big need. And I was concerned because like, gosh, like I hope it works. And if it is going to work, like shouldn't that be something where you could prove it really rapidly and really easily with some conversations with customers? And so it sounds like you are taking that approach of starting with the least amount you would need to present to a customer to then have a conversation to learn about what is actually meaningful, valuable, and would work. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I, sometimes you have intuition that can bring you really far in those, in those steps. 
Um, and then when you, when you're, when you just start guessing after that, that's, I think the signal, right? That's like, okay, I've, I've limited my, my intuition. It's kind of like at this point. And now is when it needs to hit something. It needs to hit another person who I think sees value in it. So I can hear what they say and understand some of these things. And then I learn, I get another loop on that. Um, and it's no knock against, I think there's always this thing of intuition versus data. Like how yeah. do you build your intuition? Your intuition is literally just a whole bunch of data that gets put into you over time. Uh, you're like learning all these things and you have like a complex algorithm that's running in your head. So actually they're kind of like the same thing, you know, and it's just something that you kind of honed um, and you, you hone it and hone it and hone it as you do more and you make more and you do these sorts of things and you see how people react. Yeah. You know what, I, what I've seen um, go poorly in that regard is when someone starts doing that um, initial honing very, very right. frequently, right? They're very frequently talking to customers, but then as the company scales, they talk less and less to customers. They move more and more into like a management sort of position. Yeah. And the, the thing that's really tragic about that is that now they're even more distance from the customer and much more in the realm of using their intuition to call shots. Right. And they're spending the least amount of time training their intuition to do that. Right. Right. And so they've become completely distanced. And while once they could call the shots in that way, they've lost their ability to do so because they're no longer talking with customers um right so i, I yeah, am like, really glad to hear that that is working well for you as a strategy and it's it's mm -hmm. always interesting to hear the the sort of minimum viable approach that that folks take and it from what i'm hearing and keep me honest you know minimum viable for you is like the least amount you need to write down on a piece of paper to talk meaningfully with a potential buyer or customer about it i think you could start any idea pretty much apart from building maybe rockets, uh, you could start any, and rockets and autonomous cars uh, without writing a line of code. Yeah, right. I think yeah. most ideas you can, there's enough stuff that you can put together uh, to get a first version to something. Mm. Everything we've done, uh, we've, we've, we've done it in that sort of way and I just can't see another path that's more, more efficient to doing you know that same that same sort of creation, I would agree with you. And uh, the reason, tying back to the lean startup methodology for a moment, right? There's this idea of the build, measure, learn loop, and the faster we can get through that loop to learn something, the faster we can arrive at a solution that actually works. Right. You could spend a bunch of time getting through the loop once, and maybe the fidelity of that learning is higher. But that only is relevant if you were in the right ballpark right if you were in the right realm of area to hunt and unfortunately usually we're not so good at even being in the right ballpark so mm. getting that directional feedback early on is so incredibly powerful yeah i mean that's why like creating products that solve your own problems are the best often the best things because you can loop through those things really fast because you're you're the customer so you don't necessarily need to go and talk to, to everybody because you know, you know those sorts of things. And then, yes, once you start feeling that you don't know anymore because the use cases maybe moving outside of your original, like this happened with Unsplash, yeah. my original use case changed, it was solved. And, and now Unsplash is being used by a whole bunch of other people. And I don't pretend to know exactly what they want, but what I know is like baseline what kind of humans want. And that's where I kind of keep my input. And then we've got other inputs coming from 
you know, the team or people who use these in these unique ways. Uh, and that, that fills in sort of the information. Uh, and so you're not just relying on this like pure random intuition from four years ago when the site was originally created kind of thing. Yes. Well, I, I was so glad to hear you explain that evolution because a lot of folks take the stance of, well, I'm the customer. So I know what we want. But like, look, you work at the company, you're no longer the customer. But mm -hmm. for, for that first initial problem, you yourself had it, and there was a lot of insight to be gained. And I love how you explain that at some point you realize, wait a minute, I'm no longer the person with this problem. I need to go talk to the people that, that do have that problem. Yeah. So I, I like that explanation. of. And we still that. have, like, we're fortunate that photos are used by designers and developers and writers, and we have all of those people in our company. So we're like really close to, to people who use, like everybody on our team uses the site regularly. I just think yes. that's a huge, you see, you see, I think most of the companies who continue to be great, like product people, product companies over time, their company is usually running on the thing that they make. Yeah. Yeah. Stay close to the problem. Yeah. Right. Stay close to the problem. Yeah. Lots of companies come to mind for that. One I know is like GitHub, for yep. instance, right? Where's so it's software development repository. And like, guess what? That product's made by software developers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, I like that uh, comparison. I think that's good. Um, so on the topic of talking to customers, I'd be curious to explore a little bit. Um, you know, when I was looking through the, the timeline of the evolution on, of your company on your website, which is a really cool uh, way that you've portrayed that information. Oh, I love, I love that timeline. I saw that at one point you were doing uh, community events. Yep. Right? Still so doing them. Still, still doing community events. So yeah. talk, talk to us a little bit about where this idea came from. Say, hey, wait a minute. Like this is currently, you know, a place where you can, you know, post photos in a digital space. What if we make this a gathering in a physical space? How did that idea come about? Uh, and how have you decided to continue to pursue it? Yeah, uh, I think that's another example of rather than building code, you build kind of the version of that in real life. Uh, you, you know, we could have built like a chat room where people share things and do all these things. Uh, we knew that people wanted to meet. It's like we, we just didn't have and we still don't have much on, on Unsplash.com for that, that, that action, that mm -hmm. thing to do. Uh, so this was almost like the supplement to that. But how could we people do want to get in touch the people who are like close to each other when they go to new cities and um, people who take photography, they're often like adventuring, they're looking at something, they're doing something. And so it really fits with being connected with people like through walks and different cities and that sort of thing. Um, so that was like the original idea behind it. Mm. And we did it in a very like lean way. Again, the first time was just led by us where wherever we happen to be traveling. So like if we were going to New York for, for like a meeting with a partner, uh, we would do an event you know, at the same time and huh. same thing with San Francisco and uh, even on like my honeymoon, you know, like we would just do it. And I went on, I, I, I'm, my dad's from Korea and we took our first trip. Like I'd never been there. Um, yeah. was my first trip back with him and we're like, let's do one there. And so it was this crazy experience. Like Korea was actually our, our biggest one. And we had within two days, we had filled out a, an entire upper floor of like a bar and all, the, all these people actually thought my dad was the CEO because he was there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that was this funny thing. But yeah, it was, it was a crazy thing to see that much uptick in like Korea. We don't even have the site localized or anything. Um, 
but it, and then what, what we did, we knew the next step was we can't probably sustain it. Like we're not gonna come back to Korea all the time. Um, right. but what we, there's probably people here who might be interested in taking over now that they've seen it. Um, and so then it built into sort of ambassadors who lead those. So if we look at the ones today, they're all members of the community who lead these events. Mm. And if we're there and we try to make it certain ones, we can, we can get there. Um, but now they can really run like as independent things. Uh, and it's this cool thing that like connects the community in a, in a really interesting way, uh, in a very like efficient way as well. Got it. This is really interesting. So your, your learning started initially with running these things yourself. Yeah. Spectacular. Right. Um, and from there you saw there was enough interest that in fact, this cannot scale with our time and attention. So let's bring some ambassadors into play. Yeah. And have them do the organizing. I'm sort of curious, do you periodically check in with your ambassadors to try to learn from their experiences in putting on these events? Yeah, we work really close with them. I mean, it's not, we don't put, it's not, we don't look at it really as like work. And it, it's the ambassador doesn't look at it that way either. It's more like, I, I want to do this thing and I'm hosting it and I'm really interested in photography and, and meeting people and uh, being a part of like Unsplashed and what's going on. And, and we help as much as we, we can do as much as we can, like from a, from a remote aspect. And then some people do want to take it over even further. And then we encourage that and then try to support you know, everybody and what they're doing as well. Like we don't just support people who post on Unsplash. Like if you're a member, like if you go and make something and do something cool, we also support that. Like that's the that's the type of community that we're building you know if someone mm. makes something else like a member of ours makes a book you know we're going to support that you know someone wants to host a photo walk and it's you know it's anything that's sort of related to moving that creative spirit forward that's something that we're going to get behind now i want to take a step back and sort of marvel at this for a moment and i want to draw a comparison that i think is sort of interesting right with wikipedia mm -hmm there already were groups of people that were being paid lots of money to put together high quality articles to pack into a book, the encyclopedia, right? That people were paying for. And right. then Wikipedia came along and said, hey, wait a minute. Um, what if you just donate your time and create these articles for free? We won't mm -hmm. compensate you at all. Mm -hmm. People did it. And so here you've got the same situation, right? Where you've got these really, high quality photographs where normally people would, at least historically, the script had been like, I'm going to do this because I'm getting paid for it. Right. And now you've got this whole community of people that are just donating them. Yeah. I mean, even if we go one step further back in that history, originally art was just another form of storytelling. So it wasn't about the money. Right. And then art <laughs> art became about the money. Uh, and I think what has happened by putting these great cameras in everybody's phones, we've all become like those visual storytellers again. Right? We're, we're telling people things. Uh, we're just sharing them because we want to, to share that feeling. You know, we want to either share that feeling so that someone else can see it who couldn't be there. Uh, we maybe kind of want to relive it a little bit again. And Unsplash is doing that but it has that secondary element to it too, where also if this photo is useful for someone to go and make another version off of it, of something totally new, I also want to help make that happen. 
And that's, that's the mentality that a lot of people have. Um, and I really want to keep that mentality because that is the core purpose of, of the site. You know, it's not about, I'm coming here. I want to be paid for this. That's not why we submitted photos. You know, we submitted photos in the beginning, trying to be useful. We wanted to make something that was useful for people. I believe if it, the, the most, the more useful you are, the more everything you know, that you want to have happen is going to happen. So let's drill into that for a second. Mm -hmm. And I want to talk a little bit about the chicken and the egg problem. Yeah. Right. So the more useful it is, right. The more attention you'll get and all of that uh, positive activity that you were just describing. But um, how much is enough to get started on something like that? And, and mm -hmm. what I think is interesting is that like you were just doing 10 free photos. Yeah. And people were going nuts for that. Right. So if you're trying to build a community, like, is there some critical threshold that you need to be successful or what would you advise to someone who has an idea for a community centered product that they want to go explore? Yeah, I, I, I think there's, so starting at the highest level, there's so much stuff, right? So people are we're becoming expert filters. And so we filter, for the best and the best needs to be 10 times better than whatever the current best thing is. Yeah, so that to me, that means you go and find only the best five of whatever you can find very small number. And you start with that and you only build around that. And you very only slowly sort of add into that. If I, I would try not to take any money. I would try not to build any code just like, understand what you're trying to create with that initial you know, five ten, very small numbers uh and i've seen that as like the best way of starting these things up because then you have this quality element which leads to um brand you know that's the long-term benefit that can happen from this when people associate quality with your brand uh, that becomes like the greatest thing that you can have working for you over time uh, if you don't start with quality, it's very hard to go back, back yourself back into that once people have sort of this feeling about what your brand is. Uh, so it feeds into that. And that wasn't the original intent of Unsplash, but having just 10, it made it really easy to know that we could fulfill that promise, which builds trust, uh, and other people could start contributing. And we wouldn't have to hit like this really high bar. And that's some of those things that happen when you, you know, take investment or you build code, you feel like you have to make up for all of the, the time and money that you put into something. Well, I, I like this suggestion. I made a note here even of, of small and quality. Yeah. The starting point yeah. for the chicken and the egg challenge, which is that you've got to have some amount of content, but start small and start with really high quality. Yes. And I think that's interesting guidance because, you know, carrying that example, you know, if you had had, thousands of photos, but most of them were garbage as your starting point. You think this would have worked? Right. I don't think so at all. It wouldn't, yeah. it wouldn't look different. You know, people would immediately be like, it's just another one of the, uh, a free photo site. Like photos are kind of meh. Yeah. It but wouldn't have been is, remarkable. Right. And, and that ability to return to it, you know, that the 10 every 10, I can come back and, and get 10 more. Um, that was a way I like wanted to have, have that, people kind of coming back and, and looking for what was something that they could use again and build that, that behavior. This, this is so 
um, opposite of how a lot of people think about what you need to start as like your first version of a product is that, you know, often they think that they need to do some small unsatisfactory slice of the functionality. And they say like, yeah, right. Here it is. Let's see if that works. And, and what you're saying is be exceptional right in a very very narrow slice yes what it is that you think you might ultimately want to do right right so don't don't build like a car that's half falling apart build like the most bomb ass tricycle <laughs> anybody yes. has ever seen i like that reference to that image that's that's floating around yeah on how to build a minimum viable product yeah i think we've covered a ton of ground today and i very much appreciate your time through this conversation uh, and and i think you brought up a lot of really interesting points is there anything else that uh you would want to share with uh lean startup viewers or uh with someone that is trying to build a community-centered product um i think your last question was the total right like question to to leave on you know i think that that is is my takeaway i think it's just something that sits in my brain whenever we're creating something new it's that that quality and small um and it just feels, it feels so right. Like every time we do that again, that approach and we make, have to make something new. Um, and I wouldn't, I, I can't just see changing that philosophy. And so to me, that would be the one that has just really stuck through everything. There you go. Lean startup viewers start small, but be remarkable. Really enjoyed spending time chatting with you today. If people want to learn more about you or your product, where can they find you? Uh, Twitter, we're pretty active there, so that's probably the best. Uh, I'm Twitter, which is my name, so I'm Mikhail Cho, and uh, Twitter for Unsplash is Twitter Unsplash. There you go. My name is Elliot Susel, and if you've got any questions for either of us, send them to Elliot, E-L-L-I-O-T, at leanstartup.co. Thanks again for your time, and we look forward to seeing you again, viewers, next week. Take care, everybody.